Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. There's times in the life of churches that we need people to come in and inject things into us to help us to achieve what God has for us, to help to stir up those gifts that are deep within inside of us. So we got a very special guest with us today. I've known Johnny Jernigan for about 25 years. That means this, we're getting old, right? That lifelong friendship, we keep adding stuff like that. And I can tell you this, uh, in all my years that I've got to meet a lot of people, I've never met anybody that has the power and uh, the gifting to rally churches to rally individual churches and to send them in their community to see people flooded with the gospel. Nobody like Johnny. Nobody at all. Trust me, as soon as you hear him, you'll be like, oh, yeah, we get it now, buddy. So what he's going to do today is this. As he speaks to us, he's going to challenge us. Let your heart be open so that you can take the next step with where God wants to take you. Don't be satisfied with where you are right now because you are the church. And unless we as the church steps up, Dark times are ahead, but I have hope because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So get ready, buckle up, make Johnny Jernigan feel welcome. Amen. Uh, would everybody stand with me, please? Can you stand together? Uh, I know we just let you sit down. I am standing even though it doesn't look like it, all right? I'm going I'm to be tall when I get to heaven. Amen. Can we give Jesus the greatest shout of praise we can today? Father, we bless you. We exalt you. We magnify you. Amen. Amen. Remain standing, would you? Uh, everybody smile big. Let me see all your teeth. Make this faith declaration out loud. Come on, say it loud. Say, I believe that God wants me to win. Come on, say it again. I believe that God wants me to win. Now, how many know if you tell a lie long enough, you'll believe it? Come on. And how many know if you tell the truth long enough, you'll believe it? And I just want to declare this over you today, uh, that, man, listen, God truly wants you to win in every area of your life, not just in our faith. He wants us to win in every area of our life. He wants us to win in our finances. He wants us to win in our relationships. He wants us to win in our businesses. He wants us to win in everything that concerns us. I heard somebody say years ago, Jesus is not returning for a bunch of losers. Come on. He's coming back for a victorious church, a triumphant church, an overcoming church, and God wants you to win. If you believe that, say, I believe. Amen. My name is Johnny Jernigan. I'm from Mobile, Alabama. Everybody say, Alabama. Alabama. As you can tell already, she's looking at me like, oh my gosh, we're in for it. All right. Uh, so you know my name. I'm the director of evangelism for the Alabama district. I work with all 380 of our churches. And then I also work in Springfield, Missouri with all of our churches across the nation. So that's, that's me. You know my name. I don't know all of you. So on the count of three, would everybody tell me your name as loud as you can? All right, here we go. One, two, three. All right, now I know everybody. All right. Hey, I, I, I've got something that I just want to share with you today, and I'm so honored to be with my friends, uh, Pastor Robin and, and TJ. I love you guys. And uh, we go way back doing youth outreaches in Pittsburgh years ago, and then it stretched into Philadelphia, and then all the way down to Alabama that we took Pastor TJ's vision, and we did it even in Alabama. And uh, you, know you're, you know the toothbrush was invented in Alabama, right? Because if it would have been invented anywhere else, it would have been a teeth brush. All right. You know you're from Alabama when you brush your tooth, right? Okay. So um, listen, uh, we it's just an honor to be here with you guys and uh, to hear. I, I've been hearing all about you. He's been bragging on you before I got here. And so I, I just want to join with you, and I want to share a word of faith. Everybody say faith. 
The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And so I, w- I want to speak a word of life and a word of faith, and, and I want you to believe with me. I-, I-, I just believe what I'm about to share can change your future. I really do. So I want us to pray for two things. First of all, I want us to pray for God's anointing. Everyone say God's anointing. The Bible says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's not great music uh, with that uh, skinny guitar guy. All right, isn't that awesome? Man, I want you to pray for me later, all right? And uh, he doesn't look like much, but, man, he can sing. Hallelujah. No, you're handsome, too. I'm kidding. No, I want to, it's not great music. It's not preachers. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Everybody say the anointing. So I need you to believe, and I need you to help me pull on heaven. Let, let's just say it this way. That, that, let's just say above my head, right there at the, at the sanctuary, there was a box on the other side of the sanctuary with all the miracles that every one of us in this room need, whether you're watching online or you're here with us. And there was a chain hanging down about six feet in here, and, and, and it's wrapped around that box of all those miracles. If there was a box on the other side of the ceiling with all of our miracles, would we leave it up there? Come on, what will we do? Come on, help me. We're going to pull it out of that realm into this realm. And so I need you to believe that the Lord's anointing will come, and not one of us will leave the same way we came in, not because of a preacher, but because of our God who is so amazing. So if, here's the rules, all right? If I say something that sounds good, you say, amen, hallelujah, that was good. I, I like her already, all right, okay. If I say something you don't like, you say, amen, hallelujah, that was good. So, Brother Sunglasses, you got to help me, okay? So let's all do it together. We need his anointing. Second thing I want us to pray for is an open heart. Everybody say, an open heart. Listen, in these next three hours, I'm just telling you, God is going to do something amazing. Hallelujah. You won't be laughing at 2 o'clock, all right? So, no, we're, we're going to get you out on time because we do want you to come back tonight. Listen, if you don't come back tonight, all your hair is going to fall out, all right? We need you. Uh, too late for you, brother, okay? But we need, we need everybody to be back tonight for the deeper service. What I'm going to share tonight has changed my life. Two years ago, the Lord gave me a revelation, and I just want to tell you now, please, I know some of you are already planning on not coming back tonight. If you don't come back tonight, the Eagles and the Steelers are going to lose every game they play this year, and it's going to be your fault, all right? So we need you here. Now, the Steelers are probably going to lose every game they play anyway, but we need you to be back tonight. And can you just agree with me? Listen, we're just getting to know each other. Listen, I believe that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Can we agree together for his anointing? Would you, if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands with me? And can we just ask his anointing to come in power? Father, thank you, Lord, for the amazing worship that we've encountered, Lord. Thank you for the songs of the Lord. And we truly say, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. So, Lord, we do this today, and we just ask now for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's in this room, that, Lord, thank you for each of these that could gather here. We bless those that are watching online, and we just pray your favor over them. And, Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're saying to the church. And, Lord, you're preparing this house for supernatural influence in the days ahead. And, Lord, for the family fest, for all that's coming, Lord, we just agree for miracles, miracles. And, Lord, we just thank you that our heart is open, and, Lord, we we want to receive from you today all that you have for us. And we bless you now, and we exalt you in Jesus' name. And if you agree, everybody say amen. Hey, before you're seated, would you look at somebody next to you right in the eyes and say, today is your day to get pregnant. Would you go ahead and tell somebody right now? Amen? Go ahead and tell them. Go ahead and tell them. Yeah, all right. You can be seated. Amen. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm not talking about the natural, all right? I'm, I'm talking about the spirit. Uh, my wife 
she gave me the three greatest gifts I've ever received in my life in my 25-year-old John David, my 21-year-old Abigail, and my 17-year-old Jacob. But I found this out. Before you can ever give birth, you have to conceive. Come on. And so I need you to agree today that by faith, we're going to conceive something, and we're going to get pregnant, and we're going to give birth to something in this region for the name of our Jesus. Amen? And that's what we're believing for. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them with me or your device. Uh, to Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel chapter 37 and beginning in verse 1. We'll look at God's word there together in just a moment. Ezekiel chapter 37 and beginning in verse 1. And what I'm sharing tonight, I, I'm just telling you, I, I know what the Bible means now when it says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I've tasted something. I've seen something. I've seen more people come to Christ and more people baptized in the Holy Spirit in the last two years than I have in all of my ministry. And so we hope you'll be back tonight and you'll join us. So everybody smile and say, I love the little preacher. I think he's a sweet little man. You didn't say it, okay? I have a wireless microphone and I can come out there if you don't say it next time, okay? So we're watching. I believe with all of my heart, we are living in the greatest time maybe in the history of the church. And, 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 and when I make that, people can say, wait a minute, we're in a pandemic. Don't you realize we've just had a major issue in Afghanistan? We have uh, hurricanes that are hitting all over the country. We have fires burning up the West. Uh, we, we have a political crisis that seems to be going on everywhere at our border. We've got so many things going on in our country right now. But look at me. I still believe, with all of those things I just mentioned, we are living maybe in the greatest time in the history of the church. Because let me believe with me light shines best in dark places. And though, though it feels dark right now, does everybody, can, do you feel that? It just kind of feels dark. I, I'm seeing more people being saved and more people being baptized in the Holy Spirit right now than ever before, Pastor Robin. It's just amazing what God is doing. And um, uh, let me give you a little qualification. Two years ago, um, or a year and a half ago when the pandemic started, we lost every service that we had as an evangelist. I, I travel every week, and this is the way the Lord provides our living. And, uh, and we're in different cities every week. I was in Portland, Oregon a few weeks ago, and uh, I was uh, in Fort Worth just this past Wednesday. Next week I'll be in Jacksonville, Florida. So we're, we're in different cities all the time. And, and, uh, and, and so while we're, we're going to all these different cities, we're just seeing God do something so unusual. And the only difference between you and me is perspective. I'm in different cities all the time. Most of what you see God doing is right here at Trinity, and it's God doing some amazing things. And we want to be a part of all that God is, is doing here. And, and, the, and the reason I say in the middle of it, we're living in the greatest time. Uh, when, I, when I lost all of my services uh, two, uh, a year and a half ago when the pandemic hit, I was like, Lord, what do we do? Uh, this is the way we make our living. So the Lord, I, I didn't get scared, but I got a little confused. So, Lord, what do we do? And he said, go to your garage and pray. And, and my garage is not my typical prayer place. So I went to the garage, and I began to cry out to the Lord. And as I'm praying, he says, what do you see? And I said, well, Lord, I see my car, and I see a lawnmower, and a weed eater, and a rake, and a blower. And he said, good, go to work. And so I started a lawn business that day. The Lord said, go start a lawn business. And how many know fat boy uh, needs to sweat anyway, all right? And so I went out, and I, I printed up 100 flyers, and we called it Johnny's Lawn Care, all right? That's a horrible name for a business, 
but we put up flyers all over Mobile, Alabama, and inviting people to, that, for me to cut their grass for them. And in one week, the Lord gave me 22 lawns to cut. Isn't the Lord faithful that he took care of us? It was just enough to sustain us. And, uh, and so the Lord took care of us in that season. And, uh, and so uh, fast forward uh, uh, two years ago, or backwards now, uh, my wife and I were out walking through our neighborhood, and we saw this couple coming toward us, and we greeted them, said, hello, how are you? And she greeted us back, and we heard her accent, and we said, you're not from Mobile, Alabama. Where are you from? She said, we're from Scotland, England. And I'm like, well, what in the world are you doing in Mobile, Alabama from Scotland, England? She said, well, we're professors at the University of South Alabama, which was real close to my home. And we said, oh, that's wonderful. Well, welcome to Alabama. We're so glad you're here, and uh, we live one street over. And then she said, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a minister of the gospel. And she stuck her hand out, literally stuck her hand out and said, let me stop you right there and tell you I'm an atheist, and I don't do the God thing. And how many of you know we need discernment? Come on, when to talk and when not to talk. And as you can tell, it's hard for me not to talk, all right? So the Lord said, don't say anything else. Just love her. So we said, well, welcome to Mobile. We're glad you're here. We live one street over. If you ever need us, we're one street over. The pandemic hit, and I started cutting grass for her neighbor, Miss Gloria. One day while I'm out cutting her grass, she comes outside. And I said, hey, Pam, how are you? And she said, well, I'm scared to death. And I said, well, why are you scared to death? She said, because of this pandemic and my little girl. She has beautiful little girls, and I'm worried about my little girls. And the Lord said, tell her now. And I said, can I tell you why I'm not scared? And she said, please. And I told her my story of how I came to faith in Christ. I said, Pam, when I was 16 years old, I was a borderline alcoholic. My life was a mess. I was in and out of trouble with the law. Um, my mom and dad were getting a divorce, and I had a good friend who told me, if you can just get drunk enough, you can forget the pain. And unfortunately, I bought that lie. Anybody ever heard that one before? And so I bought that, and alcohol was destroying me. And I said, I didn't go to church, but a beautiful young lady in my school, and she was so pretty and so popular, she invited me to go to church with her. Her name is Lori Lassiter, and I will always love her. And she said, come and go to church with me. And I said, well, honey, I'll go anywhere with you, all right? And so I went to church. And so we're sitting on the back row of the church there at Moffett Road Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama, and I'm passing notes to her. I'm not listening to the minister. But all of a sudden, the minister said, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to go to hell. And it was like his finger went 60 feet to the back row where I was sitting, and he said, I'm talking to you, boy. And then the minister said this. He said, God loves you, and God wants to help you. And I said, if that's true, God loves me and God wants to help me, then I want that. And I got up from the back row and I came to the front and I said, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to go to hell. I want to know that Jesus is in my life. And July 22nd, 1979, 42 years ago, Jesus moved in my heart. And I said, Pam, let me tell you something. Let me tell you why I'm not scared of this pandemic. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Come on. And I said, I know that God is bigger and God is stronger and he is able to help us. She teared up right right there in the street. And, she, and this is what she said. She said, I've never believed in God, but I need to believe in something. And I teach Christians all the time as I teach on evangelism. I teach them to keep the Roman road scriptures right here on their phone. And so I said, can I just read something to you? And I let her read. Faith comes by, come on, hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I said, can you just read this with me? So she read Romans 3.23. Who knows it? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said, have you ever heard that before? She said, I've never heard that before. 
And I said, it means you, me, the Pope, the President, everybody has sinned. We all have sinned and come short of the goodness and the greatness of who our God is. I said, can I read you one more? And so I read in Romans 6.23. If you know it, for the wages of sin is death. Somebody had to pay the price for our sin. And aren't you glad Jesus did that for us? Come on, everybody. And I said, Jesus paid that price for us, Pam. Jesus took our place, and he paid the wages of our sin. And here's the good news. Everybody say good news. The good news is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I said, Pam, he gives us that gift of eternal life. I said, have you ever heard that? She said, I think I've heard that one. I said, can I read you one more? And I read in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his great love for us and that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. Even in all the mistakes that we've ever made, God loved us so much, he was even willing to die for us even in all of our failures. Aren't you glad for that? I said, can I read you one more? And she didn't have anywhere to go. So I read Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. For with the heart we believe and we are justified. With our mouth we confess and we are saved. I said, have you ever heard that one? She said, I've never heard that one. She said, is it that easy to become a Christian? And I said, yes, it is, Pam, but it's going to cost you everything. Salvation's free, but it wasn't cheap. It's going to cost you. It costs Jesus' life. I said, but if you'll give your life to Christ, he'll give you the kingdom power and love and his relationship that will help you through the pandemic and through every day of life for the rest of your life. She said, I want that. And standing six feet apart, come on, somebody, right there in the middle of the street, Pam prayed with me to receive Jesus. Now, a year, a year earlier was telling me she was an atheist. A year later, she's coming to faith in Christ. She, I led her husband to Christ right after that. She and her family are attending a church in Mobile, Alabama this morning. And for that, I'm grateful for the pandemic. Come on. I cut, I have, I've led six of my neighbors to Jesus just by cutting their grass. Jesus is cool and Satan's a fool. Come on, somebody. And, and, and it's just been awesome what the Lord has, has done with this. I was in Portland, Oregon just a couple of months ago. Uh, how many of you have heard about all the, the riots and the craziness in Portland, Oregon? And the Lord said, go get in the middle of that. And so I went out there with a friend of mine. His name is Shane Wallace, and he's at Harvest Assembly of God right outside of Portland uh, International Airport. And so we were going to all the businesses. We do outreaches for churches all the time, and we always go out to the area businesses, and we take a little bag of candy, and we just walk in with a little bag of candy and say, Hi, hey, we're from Harvest Assembly of God. I'm Johnny. This is my friend Shane. And we just have a little bag of candy. Just want to sweeten your day and just say thank you for all the things you do in your business. Thank you for the people you employ. Thank you for what you do for the economy. Uh, thank you for your services and for all the mean people who come in your business. And they always go, oh, yeah. For all the mean people who come in your business, we want to say thank you. Well, we walked in this Subway sandwich shop. And uh, there's a young man behind the counter. His name was Tim. He was the manager, we found out later. He had his hair spiked about a foot over his head. And he had tattoos everywhere you could see his uh, body, all the way from his You ever seen the flames they paint on cars? He had them painted on his face. And there was ink everywhere, all the way down to his toes and his sandals. He had tattoos everywhere. And he had piercings everywhere. And places you should not have piercings, this boy had piercings everywhere. And the look on his face is like, go away, all right? So we walk in with a little bag of candy, and you can see where the downtown area is. And we walk in and say, hey, we're from the church. We just want to give you a gift, say thank you for all you're doing, and invite you to the church. He said, wow, 
No one's ever come in here and just said, thank you for what we do at the Subway shop. He said, I appreciate that. We gave him a card and said, we're from Harvest Assembly. He said, well, I appreciate it. He said, I'm an agnostic. He said, I don't do the, uh, the church thing. He said, but uh, thank you anyway. And again, we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And in this particular situation, we just left it there. We said, well, man, you're welcome at Harvest Assembly. May the Lord bless you and bless your business, and we hope to see you soon. We turned around and walked out. When we got to the door, we turned around. He was already eating the candy out of the bag that we took to him. He went home that afternoon. Uh, he was the manager, and he started to undress. And when he undressed, he felt the card that we gave him, and uh, he, he pulled it out. That's my hotel room key. But he, he felt the little card that he put in his back pocket, and, and, and he said, you know what? Those guys were nice. He said, I think I want to go to that church just to see what they do. Come on. And so the next morning, he shows up, hair straight up. His wife's sitting right next to him. She's got tattoos everywhere just like him. She's pierced up everywhere just like him. And they're sitting on the back row with their arms folded the entire time. And the look on their face the entire time I was preaching was, we're going to murder you right after the service. Now, that's what I was thinking. I mean, that was the look on their face. When I gave the altar call and I invited them to come, he said it was the first time that he ever heard God speak to him. He said he heard a voice that said, what they're saying is true, and you need this. Not what I was saying, because I'm nothing. But I believe he was hearing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit speak to him. He said, what they're saying is true, and you need this. And when I invited them to the altar, he came, and he and his wife, and both of them prayed to receive Jesus. Now, less than 24 hours earlier was telling us he was an agnostic. Less than 24 hours earlier is in an altar professing faith in Jesus Christ. Come on, can somebody give the Lord a shout of praise for that? And I, and I, I just want to tell you, uh, it's just been unbelievable what God is doing. In the middle of all of this darkness, God is bringing people into his kingdom. I don't know if you've heard, but there's a mighty revival happening in Iran right now. Muslims are having visions and dreams of Jesus, and they're running into these Christian churches that are there that are, that are not many, but there's a church in Iran right outside of Tehran that has grown to over 10,000 Christians. And these Muslims are seeing Jesus and becoming born again. In India right now, the same thing is happening. These Indians are having visions and dreams about Jesus, and they're trying to find out what it's all about, and they're leading them to Christ. I was, I was just in China. I was in Wuhan, China uh, before the pandemic, all right? And um, we, they're flooding out of the, Chinese, the, 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 uh, the uh, Buddhist temples into the Christian churches. It's unbelievable what God is doing. And, and, and there, are, there are over 200 million Christians in China now. Is that amazing? There are more Christians in China now than there are in the United States. And they're flooding out of the Buddhist temples, and they were asking, we were asking them, why are all these Buddhists come, becoming Christians? And they said, because Buddhism has left them dead. They pray to a dead image who never talks back to them, and they go through their rituals again and again and again, but their God is dead. And they talk to these Christians that are coming out of their churches, and they're so excited about their faith. They say, why are you so excited about your God? And they said, because my God walks with me. Come on. And my God talks with me, and the, the Jesus is alive. Come on. Oh, that was so pukey. I said, Jesus is alive. Come on. And because of that, because of that, they're flooding into the Christian churches and being born again. I'm just telling you, it's not a time to be discouraged. God is moving. Come on, say that. God is moving. Come on, shout it real big. God is moving. I want to put a picture on the screen if they can put it up there for me. I want you to see this. 42 years ago when I became a Christian, my pastor gave this to me the night I got saved. 
And he said, boy, if you're going to live for Jesus, you're going to have to learn to live by faith. And there are going to be days in your future that the world is going to try to swallow you. Look at this picture real close. I love this because it looks bad for that frog, doesn't it? Looks like he's going down for the count. But I love what this little frog does. He reaches around with his little hands, and he grabs that crane by the throat and says, you ain't going to swallow me today, all right? And it's going to take that kind of faith, I believe, in this hour. We can either roll over and look at everything that's happening around us and let what the pressure points are either against our health or our finances or our marriages or our families or what our culture, and we can let it swallow us, or we can reach around and grab the enemy by the throat and say, you're not going to swallow me. I got, as, as a matter of fact, I hope you walk out of here today saying, I got the devil right where I want him. Come on, say that with me. I got the devil right where I want him. Can you say it real loud? Come on, Sister Blonde here with your hair up on top of your head. Everybody say it. Come on, real loud. Here we go. I got the devil right where I want him. And if every one of us can say, God, baptize me with faith, I'm not going to let the situations swallow me. God, I'm going to choke every enemy, and I'm going to live in the victory of God. Amen? Hallelujah. And I want to read this to you in Ezekiel chapter 37. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, uh, is, it's a situation that's trying to swallow them. And the man of God's got to make a choice. He's either going to let it swallow him or he's going to rise in faith and choke off the enemy. I want us to read this together. Ezekiel, chapter 37, and beginning of verse 1. I'm not going to let this swallow me. That's my sermon title. Will you say it with me? I'm not going to let this swallow me. Come on, say it loud. I'm not going to let this swallow me. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. It's on the screen. We read with me. It says, the hand of the Lord is on me. Can you stop right there? Can you think of anything greater in our faith walk than the hand of the Lord to be on us? See, because the hand of the Lord, when the hand of the Lord was on someone, it was a symbol of God's favor. It was a symbol of God's approval. It was a symbol of God's blessing on them. And usually it was about something marvelous that God was doing. In this situation, it's not about something marvelous. It's about a crisis that God has his hand on Ezekiel the prophet and he's asking him for something in the middle of this crisis. And so I want you to keep reading. See, I, it, it'd be all right with me if, if, if the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles came in here and laid his hand on me today. That'd be all right. It, it'd be great if the coach of the great Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, Nick Saban, uh, came in here and laid his hand on me. That'd be all right. It'd even be all right if the guy from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, came in here and laid his hand on me. I'd take a bath later, but it'd be all right with me if he came in here and laid his hand on me. But I can't think of anything greater than the hand of the Lord on me. And I want you to see, this is not about the glories of God. It's about a crisis. We keep reading Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord is on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Look at me if you would. Ezekiel chapter 37 is a prophetic declaration for the house of God because there was wickedness happening even in the house of God among the shepherds. But if it's in the book, how many believe it's for us? It was also a prophetic word for Israel that God was trying to show them something. And God brings his hand onto Ezekiel, puts his hand on him, and he takes him out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he shows him a valley that as far and as wide as he can see, all he can see is a valley full of bones. And the Bible says they were very dry to indicate they had been there a long, long time. And God, it's a place where life used to be. 
And God asked him this question, can these bones live? Now, I want you to understand this. When, when God asked Ezekiel this question, this is not some novice little preacher. This is not some young minister. This is a seasoned man of God that saw the wheel inside of the wheel, that saw the glories of God again and again. And so this is not some young minister. This is a seasoned minister. So God asked him, Ezekiel, what you see in front of you that looks very dry and it looks dead, that it looks impossible, is it possible that it can live again, that life can come in this dead place? And you would think that Ezekiel would say, yes, Lord, I agree, Lord, that's right. But that's not what he said. He said, can they live again? And his answer was, sovereign Lord, you're the only one that knows. In other words, I don't know, God. You're the only one that knows. Now, I love what God does next in this passage because God tells him in verse 4 exactly what he wants him to do. How many of you, like me, have ever put something before uh, together before without reading the instructions? Would you hold your hand up? Okay. How many of you, like me, had to tear it apart because you missed a step? Would you be honest? Okay. I knew it was you. All right. So I had to do that too. I, 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 I missed a step. If you miss verse 4 and 5, you're going to miss a step of what God is trying to do to bring a miracle in a crisis situation that's trying to swallow them. Will you read verse 4? God takes him out. Now, let me give you the background before we read it. God takes him out by the Spirit of the Lord, shows him this valley that as far and as wide as he can see, all he can see are dry, dusty bones where life used to be. And God says, can they live again? He said, I don't know, Lord. You're the only one that knows. Now read verse 4. Come on. Then he said to me, prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. Come on, say it real loud. Prophesy. The word prophesy there means to open the mouth and declare out loud the things of God. Open the mouth and declare out loud the things of God. So look what he says. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the what? Hear the word of the what? In other words, Ezekiel, I want you to know, your opinion is not going to change anything right here. He, and he was saying, Trinity, I want you to know, your opinion is not going to change anything right here. Johnny Jernigan, evangelist, your opinion is not going to change anything. Only the word of the Lord is what is going to change it because the word of God will not return unto us. What? Void. It will accomplish what it sets forth to do. There's power in this book. Oh, that was so pukey. I said there's power in this book. And God wants us to speak this word. So he comes to Ezekiel. He says, Ezekiel, look, as far as you can see, all he could see were dry, dead, dusty bones where life used to be. And he said, can these bones live again? He said, Lord, I don't know. You're the only one that knows. He said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Open your mouth and begin to prophesy, speak the word of the Lord over these dead bones. And believe with me, because God just was looking for Ezekiel to get in agreement with him. Uh, did God know the answer here? Come on, did God know the answer, brother with all your thick hair? Listen, God knew the answer, but what God was waiting for was for Ezekiel to get an agreement with him and say, what's dead can live again. So he tells him, I need you to start opening your mouth and prophesying and speaking the word of the Lord over these dead bones and believe that I can do something to change it. Keep reading now in verse 6. He, uh, he, says, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and flesh will come upon you and I will cover, cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Look at me. God even tells Ezekiel exactly exactly what he wants him to say over these bones. God doesn't want to leave it to a mystery to us. He tells us, here's what I want you to do. You begin to speak my word because this word will not 
come back to me empty. It will accomplish what it sets forth to do. So that means if my marriage is in confusion, if I speak the same word of God over my marriage, can God heal my marriage? Okay, if, if, if I have sickness in my body and I speak the same word of God over the sickness in my body, can God heal my body? If there's a crisis in my nation and I speak the same word of God over my nation, can God change my nation? Yes, he can. And so what he was saying, Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to speak my words over this, and I'm going to put skin on them. I'm going to put tendons on them and ligaments on them, and I'm going to bring them back to life. Now look at me if everybody would. Everybody look right here. Ezekiel could have rebelled. He didn't have to do it. He could have said, look, God, you're asking way too much. I am not the guy for this. I can't do this. I just don't think I can do this. And there's somebody watching online right now. The Lord wants to help you with this. God, he was saying, listen, God, I don't know if I can do this. He could have rebelled. Did he rebel? No, he began to speak. Read verse 7 with me. Will you read it out loud? Come on, can we read it out loud? It says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Will you say that with me? So I prophesied as I was commanded. Can you say it real loud? So I prophesied as I was commanded. In other words, he opened his mouth. He's speaking the word of God over those dead bones, and look what happens. And as I was prophesying, as I was speaking the word of the Lord, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone, and I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and the, and skin covered them, but but there was no breath in them. Look at me. Can you even imagine how Ezekiel's faith began to increase? One sentence earlier, he's looking at a bunch of dead bones. One sentence later, he's looking, and as he begins to speak the word of God over these dead bones, look at me, there's a convulsing, there's a cracking, there's a shaking, and there's a vibration all in that valley, and the tendons start coming over those bones, and ligaments start coming over those bones, and then skin comes over those bones, but there was no breath in them. If he would have stopped right here, he had a valley full of corpses. He was at the halfway place of a miracle. Can I tell you the halfway place is the most miserable place to live because you're halfway between death and halfway between life. You're halfway between your past and halfway between your future. You're halfway between a curse and halfway between a promise. If he would have stopped right here, all he had was a valley full of corpses. Did he stop here? No, he didn't stop. He continues to speak. Look at what it says in verse 9. Come on, read this with me. Then it says to me, prophesy of the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. Verse 10, will you read it out loud? Come on. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Come on, say it. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Come on, shout it one more time. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And look what happened. And, and What does it say in verse 10? And, and it says, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army. Look at me. Was the vast army in the house of God, or was it out in the valley of death waiting for somebody to come speak death over them, a life over them? Come on. Was the army in the house of God, or was it in the valley of death waiting for somebody to come speak life over them? They were in the valley waiting for someone to come out there and say, dead marriage, you can live again. Dead young people, you can live again. Dead family, you can live again. Dead business, you can live again. Dead city, you can live again. Dead nation, you can live again. Alcoholics and drug addicts, you can live again. Those that are bound by the issues of life, you can live again. And they are out there by the thousands waiting for us to come and speak the word of the Lord over them that what you're facing it can change that we serve a God of miracles we serve a God of new beginnings we serve a God of second chances and we're going to speak the word of life over you that what's in front of you right now might look dead but we serve a God that can bring it back to life again do we believe that
And so we need to be driving. I want to challenge you, brother thick hair. I want to challenge you. Everybody, I hate people with thick hair like that. I, I want you. I want to challenge you to drive through this city, and as you drive down every street, say, God, let that house live again. God, let that family live again. God, let that school live again. God, let that business live again. God, let this city live again. Because the power of life and death is where? In the tongue. That means the same tongue that can say, I hate you, is the same tongue that can say, I love you. The same tongue that says it'll never change is the same tongue that can say it can be supernatural. Hallelujah. And I told you why they call it supernatural. I told them in the first service. The reason we call it supernatural is because God rubs his super on our natural situations. The reason we call them signs and wonders is because they're signs from heaven that make people wonder. And when the people of God in an ordinary church like Trinity Christian Church, they begin to walk, walk, drive, walk and drive through this community and begin to declare the life over dead places. Nothing times nothing is, I want you to know that nothing times nothing is nothing. If you try nothing, you're going to get it every time. Nothing. But if we try something, the word of the Lord will not return unto us void. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if God did it for Ezekiel and what looked dead and looked impossible and God brought life again in that valley, can God do it again in a place called Delaware? Yes, he can. We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. Can you put that picture on the screen for me again, you, you wonderful people? Listen, I want you to see this. Look at this picture. This is where we are as a nation. This is where America is right now. This is where many of our, our believers are all over this country. And, and the enemy, it feels like he's got us in his mouth, and he's trying to swallow us. We've got to reach around by faith and choke the enemy and say, I'm not going to let you swallow me. It ain't over until it's over, and it's, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to believe that my God can turn around, that God looked at a, a group of people. He said, God, if we could find 100 people, would you spare your judgment? He said, if you can find 100 people, I'll spare judgment. He said, God, if we find 50, will you spare your judgment? He said, if you can find 50, I'll, I'll spare judgment. God, if we find 10, will you spare? He said, if you can find 10, I'll spare it. God, if we find one, Will you spare it? He said, if you can find one, I'll spare it. I'm just telling you, God says ordinary people, like that young man, that young man in the green shirt. Will you stand up? Yeah. Uh-huh. How old are you? 15 years old. What's your name? Everybody say, we love you, Kyle. How many of you know God can take an ordinary knuckle-headed teenager just like that one? And the power of God could come on that young boy right there, and God could supernaturally use him to be a voice for God, to begin to speak to people and say, there's an answer, there's a miracle. Because I'm going to tell you, Kyle, the answer for America is not a Republican or a Democrat, it's the name of Jesus. The only anchor that America has right now is the house of God and the name of Jesus. And God wants to use ordinary people, just like you and that ugly boy next to you, God, I mean that handsome boy, God wants to use people just like you to do the super supernatural. Do you believe that? Do you believe it, Kyle? Are you sure you believe it? Would y'all give Kyle a great big hand? I love you, buddy. It may look like it's trying to swallow you. It may look like the enemy's got you, your head in his mouth and you're going down. Reach around. Grab him and say, I got the devil right where I want him. Come on, say it. I got the devil right where I want him. Come on, Sister Longhair, say it. I got the devil right where I want him, and I'm going to choke the enemy, and I'm going to believe for the victory of God. Hallelujah. Go to 2 Kings with me, would you? I want to show you something. 2 Kings chapter 4, another situation that was trying to swallow the man of God, that faith had to rise in them to believe that God could turn it around. These stories are written down for us 
so that faith can rise in us to believe God can do it for us. The word testimony means to do again, to do again. How many of you, God's ever healed you? Hold your hand up. Or the Lord has provided for you? Would you hold your hand up? And when you begin to share that, Brother Beard, when you begin to tell people what God's done for you and and people hear the miracles of God, when they hear that, they're like, oh, God, you did a great thing for him. Now, God, will you do it for me? Would you do it again? When we hear these things, we're like, God, will you do it again? And I believe that we're getting in position for the greatest revival our nation has ever seen. I really believe the only difference between you and me is perspective. And light shines best in the darkness. And they're waiting for you and ordinary people. I went to the well yesterday and had some of the best brisket I've ever had in my life. Hallelujah. That place is anointed. Hallelujah. They're going to serve that brisket at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But I'll tell you, that big man back there, stand up, brother. That's, uh, uh, stand up. If I was as big as you, I'd beat him in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, God uses ordinary people. And when I left your business yesterday, I felt the Lord saying, there's an anointing on you. There's an anointing on the well that everybody who comes in there not only senses the glory of God, but you're about to lead people to Christ through that business at a level you've hoped for and believed for. And the Lord is going to use you, my friend. Would y'all give him a great big hand? I bless you, friend. When we hear God do it somewhere else, we're like, God, will you do it again? What we're about to read is a miracle that we say, God, can you do that again? And it's the story of the Shunammite woman. We don't know her name. All we know is the region she's from. She's called the Shunammite woman. And for those that might not know the story, let me give you the background. In the first four chapters, you can go back and read it later, she... uh, takes care of the prophet Elisha while he is there. And on the back of her house, she builds what is called today a prophet's chamber. Anybody ever heard that before? She built a room on the back of her house. You can read it uh, another time. And she put a bed in there and a table and a lamp. And she fed the man of God while he was with her. When he got ready to leave her, he asked her, how can I bless you? And his servant, his armor bearer who was with him, Gehazi, says, she doesn't have a son. In Israel, a woman who does not have a son is a little bit of an outcast. Uh, It's still that way today in Israel. They like very large families, and they want that male child, nothing wrong with the girls, but they want that male child so they can carry on the family name. So a woman who in Israel who cannot give birth to a son is a little bit looked down upon. So Gehazi says, she doesn't have a son. And so Elisha says, a year from now, God is going to give you a son. Did God give her a son? For those that know the story, God gave her a son. We don't exactly know how long he lived, but he lived for a period of time because the Bible tells us he was out in the field with his daddy. And while he was out in the field with his dad, he holds his head and he says, my head, my head. And we don't know if he had a brain aneurysm or a brain tumor, but the Bible says he fell dead in the field. The dad scoops him up and runs back to the woman, the Shunammite woman, and that's where the story picks up in verse 28. Will you read along with me? It's trying to swallow them. A little boy is dead. What will they do? Read verse 28. It says, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? In other words, why would you give me a promise only to have it broken? Why would you give me something only to have it taken away? Why would you do this to me? And Elisha could have looked at her and said, look, lady, 
look, you, you've taken care of me. You gave me a room and a, and a bed and a table and a lamp, and you fed me, and I'm grateful for that. But I prayed for you. God gave you a boy. You had him for a little while. Be happy with that. Your little boy is dead. It's time to plan the funeral. Bury your boy. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. He obviously loved this woman, and he obviously loved this little boy. Keep reading in verse 29. Elisha said to Gehazi, took your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face. But there was no sound of response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. Look at me. Here's what happens. The little boy is dead, and obviously Elisha was close enough. He heard what was happening, and, and he found out this little boy is dead. So he says, listen, we're not going to let this swallow us. Let's believe in faith that God can give us a miracle. So he hands his staff to his servant, Gehazi, because he's pretty old at this time. Gehazi is much younger, so he runs on ahead of him. And how many of you know there's an anointing on Elisha? His staff is a part of his anointing. How many of you remember his bones fell on the bones of another dead man, and the man came back to life? There's an anointing. So he says, you go ahead, lay my staff on the boy. Let's believe he's coming back to life. So he runs ahead of him, lays the staff on the dead boy, but nothing happened. Elisha and the mother get there later, and when they walk in, he said, hey, I, I laid the staff on him, but there's no sound of response. Did Elisha look at the woman and say, I'm so sorry. I love you. I love this little boy. I'm so sorry, but your little boy is dead. And we've tried. I've laid my staff on him now. I, I prayed for him. It's time to bury your little boy. Is that what he said? No, keep reading. I love this story. Verse 32, keep reading along with me. In verse 32, it says this. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. Elisha, he went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. In other words, he didn't just get in panic. He called out of the name of the Lord. If you call on the name of the Lord, will he answer? He heard me out of his holy hill. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous can run in and they're safe. That's why we can't just panic in what we see going on around us right now. As Pastor said, we've got to have these nights of intercession and these times of prayer because God hears us when we call on him. Yes? How many mothers in here? Raise your hand if you're a mother. If you're in a room full of people and you hear your child cry out when they were small, did you know it was your child? Because you know their voice. You know what they sound like. Daddies, too. Not as much as mothers, but mothers uh, hear that, too. And because you know their voice. God knows your voice when you cry out. Don't you stop praying. Somebody needs to hear that. Whether you're watching online right now and you're crying out for something and you haven't seen the answer, don't stop crying out. He hears us when we answer. Amen. So the prophet of God, he shut the door on the two of them and he prayed to the Lord. Verse 34 is a shocking statement. Read verse 34 with me. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And as he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Now, I wasn't there, but I have a vivid imagination. And I want you to see this with me. Can I get this picture? The prophet of God gets there, and he finds out this little boy is dead. He says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to let this swallow us. Let's believe in faith that God can bring life in a dead place. Hands his staff to his servant. His servant lays the staff on him. That didn't work. When he got there, the Bible says he shut the door and prayed to the Lord. Obviously, the Lord instructed him, lay on top of him. So the Bible says he crawls on top of him, and he, he steps up, crawls up on top of this dead boy, and he's laying on top of him, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, in the middle of a pandemic. 
How many of you know that is not pandemic compliable? And here he is. That's real close. Can you see it? Mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. He's laying on this cold, dead boy. The mother's over in the corner watching this thinking, what is that crazy prophet doing? And how many of you know when God sends a miracle, he rarely asks us how he should do it? Come on. And the Lord is giving a miracle here. So he's laying on top of him, and the Bible makes this little statement. It says, the boy's body grew warm again. In other words, life is coming back into this little boy. Look at me. If he would have stopped right here, he was at the halfway place of a miracle. Because he's halfway between death and halfway between life. Because he still did not come back to life. He's just getting him coming back. How many of you, like me, have prayed for something one time, and when you didn't see it, you stopped praying? We can never stop calling on the Lord and say, God, what looks dead, I believe you can make live again. So the Bible tells us in verse 35, come on, I want you to read it with me. Read verse 35. Does he look at the woman and say, look, I'm so sorry. We've prayed for him. We've laid the staff on him. I've laid on top of him. Your son is still dead. I apologize. It's time to bury your boy. Is that what he said? No, keep reading in verse 35. Read along. Elisha turned away, walked back and forth in the room. Then he got on the bed and stretched out on him. What does it say? Come on, real loud. What does it say? Once more. And then it gives this little throwaway line, and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Now, I wasn't there, but I, again, I, I can see this picture, and I want you to see this with me. The Bible says that he, he got up off the little boy, and he's walking back and forth in the room. And you got to get the picture. They have very long beards and a headpiece and a very long garments. So he's walking back and forth. He's probably rubbing his beard and rubbing his headpiece and rubbing his beard and rubbing his headpiece. He's like, God, what do we do here? Obviously, the Lord said, lay on top of him again. So he goes over, and he crawls up, and he lays on top of this boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. That's really close. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, this little throwaway line, and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Can you imagine this? All of a sudden, this boy begins to convulse as he's laying. Get the picture. Think He's laying right on top of him, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and all of a sudden, this boy starts convulsing. <laughs> and then a second time. <laughs> And then the third time, do it with me. Come on. <laughs> then a the fourth time. <laughs> and then a, sixth, a fifth time. Come on. <laughs> and then a sixth time. Come on. <laughs> Come on, real loud. Let me hear you. <laughs> and that number seven is a number of completion and perfection that the Bible says the boy opened his eyes and he got up and they went and got, the next verse says, the mother came and got him, fell at the feet of the prophet, giving God praise, and then she went and got him something to eat. You want to know why? Because dead people are hungry. Every time God raised somebody from the dead in the scripture, the first thing they said was, give them something to eat. And can I tell you, by the thousands, they're outside this church and they're spiritually dead, waiting for somebody to come feed them and lay on top of them, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And then, can you imagine, he's laying on top of him and this boy starts sneezing. There's no indication that the prophet of God ever got up off of this little boy. He stayed right. I've talked to every theological teacher I can ask. They said there's no indication he ever got up off of him. And, and the little boy goes off, and everybody celebrates the little boy that has been raised to life. And the prophet is covered in snot and spit because he never got up off of this little boy because he, he said, I'm going to lay on top of him until he comes back to life. He did it once, and his body got warm. He stayed there through seven sneezes. And 
and the boy came back to life, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes. I was in Walmart the other day. Anybody ever sneezed in these days? I was shopping at Walmart the other day, and there were about 20 people on the aisle. And when I sneezed, everybody left instantly. It's really easy to shop right now. Come on. All you got to do is sneeze. You ever been around somebody sneezing in a pandemic? Oh, stop that. Get away from me. The man of God never got up off of him. He stayed until the boy came back to life. God is calling this house, and I'm here to serve our pastor's vision and to stand with my friends whom I love and respect and honor and to stand with this church and say, God is calling you to a higher place, not just to come and soak in. Eventually, being a Christian has got to mean more than just going to church. It's got to mean, God, I'm going to lay on the dead. And I'm not telling you to go lay on top of anybody when you leave here. Don't say I told you to go lay on top of somebody. Spiritually speaking, God is calling us to lay on top of the dead until they come back to life. I'm convinced Elisha would have laid there until his bones became dust. I don't believe he was going to stop. I am convinced Ezekiel would have prophesied a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and a millionth time over those dead bones until they came back to life. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if he brought bones back to life and he brought a dead boy back to life, can he do it in Delaware? We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. I'm just going to tell you, a woman from Scotland, England, who two years ago stuck her hand in my face and said, I'm an atheist. I don't go to church, is born again and serving the kingdom of God today simply because we said we're going to speak words of life. Worst thing they can do is beat us up. If they do, God can heal us. The absolute worst thing they can do is kill us. If they do, we'll be with Jesus. No more bills to pay. Hallelujah. No more politics. And we know what politics means. Poly means many, and ticks means bloodsuckers. And so I want you to know, I want you to think of a guy in Portland, Oregon, who 20, less than 24 hours earlier told me he was an agnostic. Less than 24 hours later, he's born again, and he and his wife are going toward ministry school now in that church in Gresham, Oregon. Is that amazing? Because God still gives life in dead places, and he says, I'm not going to let it swallow you. Can you put that picture up one last time, and you can go ahead and play that music? If you can put that picture up, I want you to look at this one last time. This is where we are. You can either roll over and say, this is all we ever get. America's too far gone. We'll never have revival. Things will never change. It'll never get better. This is just what life is now. Or you can grab the enemy by the throat, as we saw again and again. I could show you 20 more examples throughout the Word of God that it was trying to swallow them. And rather than letting it swallow them, faith began to rise and say, God can bring things to life again. Listen to me. Your marriage can live again. Come on, somebody. Your finances can live again. Your relationships can live again. Your young people can live again. Our businesses can live again. Our nation can live again. God is still God, and God is moving. Will you say it? God is moving. Will you say it? God is moving. Will you, will you lay your hand on your heart with me? Will you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you, Lord, for every man and woman that's in this room. I thank you for every boy and girl. I thank you for those that are watching online. And, Lord, would you just wrap your those that are watching online right now, God, would you just go to their homes or wherever they are, and would you wrap your love around them and tell them, live again. It can live again. What's dead can live again. Wherever you're watching, in this room, whatever's dead, it can live again. Whatever's impossible, 
God loves impossible situations because he says, I can make it live again. Pray, Christians. Somebody's life is in the balance in this room. Young lady, young man, mom or dad, guest or, or guest here today. If nobody's told you they love you today, let me tell you that Jesus loves you. Beyond anything you understand, he loves you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. But he loves you too much to leave you where you are. And I want to ask you a question. I'm an evangelist, so I want to ask you a question. If, if you died today, do you know that you know that you know that you would go to heaven? It's a really important question. Everybody's going to have to answer this question, whether we think we will or not. Wherever you're watching online, you're going to have to answer this. If you died, do you know that you know that you know that you'd be in heaven? If today was your last day and you were killed in an automobile accident, do you know that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? If you were killed in a horrible uh, uh, tornado or hurricane that came through this region again like that one a few weeks ago, do you know that you know that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? If it was a drive-by shooting and you were tragically killed, do you know that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? See, it's a question every person will have to answer, whether they think they will or not. They're screaming in hell right now, begging us to listen. It's too late for those in hell. It's not too late for you and me in this room. And I don't care how many drugs you've taken or how many drinks you've had or how many things you've done wrong. If you'll cry out to the Lord, he will hear you from his holy hill, and he'll answer you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, ask yourself, God, if I died today, do I know that I know that I know that I'd be in heaven with Jesus? So you can fool me today because I'm pretty easy to fool. Uh, you might... Uh, you might be able to fool your parents. You might be able to fool your friends. Uh, you might be able to fool your neighbors. You might be able to fool your pastors. You might even be able to fool the police. But I can tell you this, you'll never fool God. He loves you. He made you. And he loves you too much to leave you where you are. And he wants to draw you closer to himself. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, ask yourself, God, are you talking to me? You're the only person I'm talking to right now. You're the only person I'm talking to. God is reaching out to your heart right now and saying, come to me and I'll give you life. What looks dead can live again. That marriage can live again. That financial situation can live again. Your sick body can live again. Your relationships can live again. Your family can live again. Your situation can live again. Your business can live again. Your mind can live again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, ask yourself, God, are you talking to me? If that's you anywhere in this room, young lady, young man, mom or dad, guest here today, and you say, I'm not where I should be with God, there are things in my life that are wrong, and I know God's not pleased with that, and I need to get closer to him today. This is not about joining this church, although this is a wonderful church. This is about joining the kingdom of God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, pray, Christians, somebody's life could be in the balance right now, that maybe distance has come between you and God. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed faith in Christ. Maybe you're watching online and you've never placed faith in Christ. It can change today, and every moment in your life can change because of this moment. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here from the back row to the front or side to side, no matter who's on your right and left, if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Johnny, I know God's talking to me. There's distance between God and me today, and I need to get closer to him. Include me in that final prayer. I need to get closer to God today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no matter who's on your right and left, no matter who's in front of you and behind you, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to shove it down the devil's throat. And when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're going to place faith in Christ today. If you're here right now, young lady, young man, mom or dad, guest here today, I need to get closer to God. I can fool everybody else. 
but I, don't, I know I can't fool God. I don't want to go to hell. I want to make sure that heaven is my home. Please include me in that final prayer. If that's you anywhere in this room, when I count to three, and you know God's talking to you, I'm begging you. Life begins when you raise that hand. Shove it down the devil's throat and say, I need to get closer to God today. Include me in that final prayer, minister. Include me in that final prayer. When I count to three, raise your hand right now. Shove it down the devil's throat. Here we go. One, two, three. That's me. Yes, 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 yes. Back there in the back. I see you, sweetheart. It's going to change today. I see you. I see you. You can put your hands down. I see you, sweetheart. Hallelujah. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over one who comes closer to Christ. So I'm going to pray one more time. There might be somebody else in this room. And no matter what hurt is around you, no matter what brokenness is around you, God says you can live again. God says life can come in the impossible situation. Choke the enemy off and believe. If you didn't raise your hand with these other nine or ten people just a moment ago, and you say, I know I need to get closer to God. I can fool everybody else. But I know I need to give my life more to God so that I can choke every enemy off. If you didn't raise your hand a moment ago, when I count to three, raise it right now. Shove it down the devil's throat. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise it now. Anybody else that didn't raise it a moment ago? Yes, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. I see you, sweetheart, in the back. I see you. Anybody else? Raise it now. Get my attention. I see you, sir. Anybody else? Father, I've done everything you told me to do. Now, Lord, give me the help, uh, help me decrease, and may you increase now, Almighty God. And that, Lord, that you draw people, that what you did for me 42 years ago, that you set me free from alcohol and all of my mistakes. And, God, you put me on a path to live for you. Do it for these in this room now, in Jesus' name. Would everybody stand with me? Nobody leaving for just a moment. Pastor will come and dismiss us, and our, our Tricia, our leaders, somebody will come, and they'll give us instruction. Look at me if you would. 42 years ago when I was sitting on the back row of that Baptist church in Alabama and the minister said to come and give your life to Christ, I'll never forget walking from the very back row to the front and nobody laughed at me. As a matter of fact, they were giving me a standing ovation because a lot of them knew my alcoholic ways. They knew the dysfunction of my life and they didn't laugh at me, Pastor Robin. They gave me a standing ovation and, and I heard them saying, there goes Johnny, there goes Johnny because they knew that I was coming to life. Can I tell you, nobody's going to laugh at you in here. We know what God is about to do in your life. Is that right, church? And we know what God can do. That I shouldn't even be standing on this platform today. But in His grace and in His mercy, He gave me a second chance. I'm just telling you, whatever you raised your hand for just a moment ago, the love of God wants to wrap around you. And I want you to understand this. This is really important. Jesus was crucified publicly, buried publicly, and resurrected publicly. We're going to have to stand for Him publicly. And I want you to understand, when we step out for him, if we can't stand for him, we'll fall for other things. If we can't stand for him in here, I can tell you now, you'll never stand for him out there. You're among friends and among family, whether you're watching online or you're in the room. And every person that raised their hand just a moment ago, I'm going to ask you in just a second to step out of your seat and come up standing here in the front at this altar with me. And I know that's different, and I know that's difficult. But I'm just telling you, every step you take, you're bringing life. Every step you take, you're breaking the past. Every step you take is a new beginning. As a matter of fact, I'd like everybody in this room to turn and look at someone next to you and say, if you need to go get closer to Jesus today, I'll go up there with you. Would you just turn and ask that person next to you right now? That question could change someone's destiny. So when I count to three, every person all the way to the back, I'm watching all the way to the back. I know who you are. You know who you are. God knows who you are, and the devil knows who you are. Shove it down the devil's throat. Take the second step. 
And when I count to three, every person that raised their hand, don't wait, don't stop, don't let that chair stop you. There's nothing to be fearful of. We're not going to embarrass you, but we're making a public stand that God and the devil see us today that I'm not going to let life choke me. I'm not going to let life swallow me. I'm going to choke the enemies, and I'm going to see the victories of God. Amen? Get a friend. When I count to three, every person that raised their hand all the way to the back, I'm looking at you. Take the second bold step. When I count to three, come stand right here. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on, right now. Very quickly, step out. Every person that raised their hand. Can you give them a standing ovation, church? Come on. Can you give them a standing ovation? Come on. Will you clap until they all get here? Come on. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. Can you clap until they all get here? Can you clap until they they all get here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, will you clap till they all get here? Can you clap till they all get here? Come on, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been fighting for you, bro. Come on, somebody clap for that young man. Hallelujah. I love you, bro. Can you do this for me? Can I get everybody else in the building to step out of your seat and come stand behind them? We're going to build a wall of prayer right behind them. If you've got a family member or a friend up here, come stand with them. But I want everybody in the room, would you just step out for just a moment? I know this is different, but would you just step out and come? We won't embarrass anybody, but we're going to just have a word of prayer. Can you all move in real close so everybody can get in? Can you move in real close? Just step out of your seat and come, and pastor will dismiss us in just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at me. I've been, not just because you were sitting in front of me, but I've been fighting for you since I came in today. There's greatness in you and in you. Y'all are married? Uh, We can do it right now if you want to. Hallelujah. Okay. But let me tell you, so hurry up and get that settled. Okay, we'll help you. I'm just telling you, there's something supernatural God wants to do with you. And he wants to use you, young lady. He wants to do something supernatural with you. Choke every enemy. Believe in God that he's bigger than everything that faces you. And God doesn't want a little of you, my friend. He wants all of you. And if you give him everything, he'll give you everything. I was fighting for you since I walked in. And I was praying for you, just like that young man with the beard right there. Hold your hand up, young man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you hold your hand up? Yeah. That young man right there. I've been fighting for you. That the enemy's been screaming in your ear and telling you what you can't do. But God is screaming in your ear today and saying, this is what I am able to do for you. I am bigger. I've been fighting for you that God says every enemy that's trying to, to swallow you, God says, get ready. I'm about to show you a miracle. I'm about to show you a miracle. And you and even your family are going to see it. Even your family is going to see what God is about to do. It's not about where you've been, son. It's not about where you've been. It's not about what you've done. It's about who God wants you to be. God, I see him in you because all your life you believed you're not good enough. And all your life the enemy's tried to tell you you won't make it. And you're not good enough. And God can't do that with you. But I'm just telling you, the greatness of the kingdom of God is in your heart. And you feel that right now. And he's saying, I have more for you. 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 That, that, listen, there's a song in you that God wants to release. And the enemy's tried to steal your song. But tell, let me tell you, woman of God, sing, sing. Every time you sing, something breaks. But the enemy's trying to make you silent, to make things hard so that you wouldn't sing. So sing again. And I don't know you. I've never seen you. But the Lord is going to use your song to do something supernatural for his kingdom. Get ready. Get ready. This is a time that God is saying, I'm awakening something. I'm awakening something. I'm awakening something. I was watching you back there, Sister Long Ponytail. Hold your hand up. Yeah. Is this your church? While you were back there, it was like the glory of the Lord was coming over you. And he was saying, I've made her strong. 
I've made her strong. And the Lord is going to give you supernatural strength, young lady. And you're going to stand for the things of God and you won't bow. You're going to be like those, those three Hebrew boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Lord's going to do it with you. Get ready, young lady. God's going to use you in a big way. And no matter where you've been, no matter what the enemy has tried to lie to you about, because you've given and given and given, and every time you give, you're like, God, does it ever get given back to me? And the Lord said, tell her today, I'm the God that gives, and I'm the God of life, and I'm the God that says I keep good records. So just know this, precious woman of God, he keeps good records of every part of your life. And you've never been alone. And the enemy tries to lie to you and say, nobody knows what you're going through and nobody cares. But that's not true. And God knows and God cares. And he sent some crazy evangelists from Alabama to look at you in the eyes and tell you that God loves you. And that he is able to do more than you can ever think. He gave you pastors who love you and are standing with you. So this is a time that the Lord is saying, give everything. Would everybody lift your hands to the Lord with me? If you're comfortable with that, would you lift your hands? If you're watching online, the Lord is doing this for you as well. Would everyone pray this all the way to the back? Would everybody pray this out loud so nobody be embarrassed? Come on, pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I know it was my sins that nailed you on that cross. And I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. I know I'm a sinner, but I need a Savior. So I say with my mouth that Jesus is the Christ. And I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I give you my past, all of my mistakes, all of my hurt, all of my pain, all of my sin. I give you my future, everything I will ever become. And I start over today, a child of God, and I receive you now as my only Lord, as my only hope, as my only way to heaven. You died for me, Jesus. Now help me live for you. I won't let it swallow me. Come on, say it. I won't let it swallow me. Come on, let the enemy hear you. I won't let it swallow me. In Jesus' name. Now lift your hands to your God. Father, today, as you hear this from your children, you're the God of miracles. You're the God of signs and wonders. You're the God of new beginnings. You're the God of second chances. You're the God of, uh, of healing. You're the God of restoration. You're the God who gives back what the enemy steals. And Lord, for all of these that are standing in this room right now, those that are watching online right now, that they're going to know that you are for them. You are for them. And you can command every enemy to give back what's been stolen. And what you did for Ezekiel, and you brought what was dead back to life. What you did for the Shunammite woman and the prophet. Prophet Elijah, and you brought a little boy back to life. God, do it again in this room, and we believe you for it, for every need in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can we give these a standing ovation that prayed that prayer? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That young boy right there, is it? Yeah. Yeah, hold your hand up. How, how old are you? I, I, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. All right. Are y'all together? Is that y'all family? Yeah. I'm just telling you, bro. You're a, God's anointed you to lead, not to follow. God's anointed you to lead. And the Lord's hand is on you. And you got people pulling you one way and God pulling the other. Run from those who try to pull you that way, son. And I don't know you. I may never see you again. And you're not going to miss much by not seeing me. But I'm just telling you, the Lord is grabbing you today and pulling you and saying, I'm calling you to be a leader, not a follower, but to be a leader run from those that try to hurt you 
and run from those. You know who they are. Run from those that the Lord is trying to help you with, and the Lord is going to give you strength. Will you hold your hand up so then all know who I'm talking to? All right, okay. What's your name? Cameron? Stretch your hands toward Cameron. Can you just pray for him right now? Father, in the name that is above every name, I, th I thank you for this precious family. And I pray for Cameron right now in Jesus' name that he's going to follow all that you have for him. And he's going to be that supernatural young man that, that uh, Lord, I see in my spirit that I know that you've told him about. And what you started years ago, God, you're going to complete. So, Lord, use Cameron today that he's going to give everything, not a little bit, he's going to give everything and make him the leader for the house of the Lord with Pastor TJ and Pastor Robin that they're going to see supernatural things in the days ahead. You're going to do it in Jesus' name. You're going to do it in Jesus' name. Would somebody clap for that young man? Would you bless him? Hallelujah. Those that came forward today, can I get, just give you a simple instruction? And Trisha's going to come in a minute. Number one, let me encourage you to be baptized in water. And some of you are like, well, I, I, I've been baptized before. Well, maybe it didn't work the first time. It didn't work for me the first time that I went down in a watery grave and I came up in resurrection life. Let me encourage you to follow the Lord. That way the church will help you do that. Number two, have a house cleaning. If there's anything in your house that stands between you and God, burn it, trash it, flush it, get rid of it. Demons are attached to it, and it will hurt you. So get rid of it. Get it out of your house. Get it out of your car. Get it out of your computer. Get away from it. Third thing, if you're in a relationship that's not a God relationship, the pastors here will help you, and they'll nurture you, and they'll walk you through how to navigate that relationship in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here and you're going, it feels like everything's trying to swallow you. Come on, I, I'm holding my hand up for my wife and for me. If you're facing something that's trying to swallow you, hold your hand up. You don't have to say what it is. You, it's just trying to swallow you. I've been fighting for you since I came in. Sister, with your hair on your head, let me tell you, the, the Lord is going to... I do that because I don't know names, so it's the way everybody can identify you, okay? And so hold your hand up if something's trying to swallow you. Pretty lady back there, hold your hand up. Let me tell you something. The Lord brought you here today to say, I'm the God that can choke off the enemy. Hold your hand up if it's trying to swallow you. Look around you. If somebody's around you and they have their hand raised, would you just reach over and touch them on the shoulder? Just touch them on the shoulder. And we're going to pray the prayer of agreement right now. And we're going to believe that the God of miracles is going to intervene for you. In Jesus' name. Can you believe that? Come on, let's pray. Father, you know every need that's in this room. We believe right now in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, the name every enemy has to bow to, the blood of the Lamb of God, the power of the resurrected Christ. We believe now in Jesus' name. Satan, you have to bow to the name of Jesus. You have to bow to the blood of Jesus. You have to bow to the resurrection of, the, of our Lord Jesus. And Lord, we just pray whatever's trying to swallow your precious people, that Lord, you'll push those demons away, push that darkness away, and let them choke every enemy and say, I believe my my God is for me. I believe my God can help me. I believe that my God is bigger. Who I feel is anointing right now. Come on, somebody's breaking through right now. And the enemy's lied to you. The enemy's told you it'll never change. The enemy's told you it's not possible. But God says, I'm the God of miracles. I'm the God of the impossible. And I'm the God that can turn it around. So, Lord, we believe in Jesus' name. For every hand that just went up, that the enemy's trying to swallow them, that faith will come to them today. And they'll hold on to the eternal God. And they'll see the miracles of God. And, Lord, everybody in this community will hear about it. For in Wilmington, they'll hear about it, God. They'll hear about it in Dover. They'll hear about it in Philadelphia, that, God, that you're the God of miracles, and you're the God who turns it around, and you're the God of the second chance, and you're the God of the new beginnings. Do it now. We believe in Jesus' name. Now, can you lift both hands to God, almost like a surrender? Can you lift both hands to God? Lord, we lift our hands to you, and we lift our hearts to you, and we say, worthy, worthy, worthy are you, King Jesus. 
worthy, worthy, worthy are you, King Jesus, that you're bigger, you're stronger, you're capable of overcoming every enemy. And we believe your help comes to us today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can we give him a shout of praise? Come on, somebody. Believe God for that in the name of the Lord. Miss Trisha's going to come. I want to invite you to be back tonight. If you don't come back tonight, listen, you're going to be sick for a month. you got to get here. Get back in the building tonight. What I'm going to share with you is going to change. I believe it's God's Word. It's going to touch you. And you don't have to leave. I believe God has something more He wants to do in Jesus' name. That lady right there, hold your hand up. Sister with all the hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is this your church? Yeah. The Lord's glory is for you. Miracles are for you. Signs and wonders are for you. The supernatural is for you. And the enemy has tried to steal it away and steal it away and steal it away. But God says, I'm the God that can give it back. So believe today, woman of God. Stretch your hands toward that sweet woman. Lord, we believe today in the name of the Lord for your favor over this woman of God. And we just pray, God, restoration. We believe for a bold anointing and a strength to do what you've called her to do in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.